Welcome to the Fed Heads, a weekly podcast from Grant Thornton Public Sector. Join the Fed Heads, Robert Shea and Francis Rose, each week to talk about the arcana of government management and the people who are working hard every day to improve it. Welcome to episode 151 of Fed Heads. I'm Francis Rose. And I'm Robert Shea. Robert, the federal government has put out just a ton of money in the last several months, last year, I guess as a result of the pandemic. And as usual, and as there should be, there is an organization that is keeping an eye on where that money is going. Yep, and you've got me thinking, how much does $5 trillion actually weigh? I guess it would depend on on the currency you're using, but you're right, the government spent more money in the last year than than, than it has in any year in its history. And it's spent it through a lot of new programs with very few guardrails. So tracking what we're getting for it, whether it's going to people who are up to no good, is real, real important. Robert Westbrooks leads the organization that is overseeing where that money is going. He is with the Pandemic Response Accountability Committee. Bob, it's great to talk to you again. Thanks very much for for coming on. And Give me the elevator speech about PRAC and the work that you're doing to get us started, please. Yeah, absolutely. So um, the the Pandemic Response Accountability Committee is a band of uh, 22 federal inspector generals that have oversight over um, pandemic funding, um, supported by a staff office, which um, I lead. Um, and really, our, our fundamental job is to make sure that this this pandemic relief and stimulus money is well spent and not wasted. That's the bottom line. We, we operate a website uh, for the public to uh, track where the money's going, and um, we conduct oversight and accountability projects to, uh, to make sure that uh, you know, money being, uh, is, is meeting their, its intended purpose. When you talk about oversight and accountability projects, are they similar types of work as to what an inspector general would do inside his or her own organization, or is there something that's unique to the pandemic response that requires a unique or different type of accountability or oversight vehicle? Yeah, so we, we do. I mean, the primary tools of the trade are audits and evaluations and, and investigations, but policymakers need insights now. I think that was his power going down. Bob, thanks very much for joining us today. We appreciate your time. Look forward to having you come back and talk more when you have electricity. Bob warned us before we started that the power company was at his house and we might lose power. And it sounds like that's exactly what happened, my friend. Yeah. And it sounds like you're continuing to talk like we're going to actually play this. Yeah. Well, I don't know what else we can do. I mean, we need episode 151. Let's just vamp. Okay. We got to do something, and he's got no juice, so I'm not sure what to do next. I wonder if he's going to try to dial back in. Well, I don't think he's going to be able to. Well, he could do it on his phone, right? Oh, here, wait a minute, here we go. Hey there. Yeah, we're yeah. here. You know, we were just trying to decide yeah, so- if we thought you were going to try to call us back, and we mentioned a moment ago that you told us the power might go out. I'm back on. So hey, my apologies. You're really a warrior, Bob. You're really committed to getting the message out there. Hey, uh, flexibility and agility, man. That's what it's all about. That's exactly right. Exactly. Way to bring it back to government management. That was very impressive. <laughs> That's like the triple Lindy of, of podcast line for this group. That's why you're you and we're us. That's it. All right. Um, you were telling us before the power got chopped yeah, at your place yeah, yeah. Uh, what 
the differences and similarities are to the products that you create as a result of the pandemic response versus what someone does in a traditional inspector general operation? We really strive to put um, products out quickly. And I know IGs do that as well. I mean, they need to do, they have the agency expertise, the programmatic expertise. So they do the deep dives on programs. We exist by statute. One of our roles is to look at risks that cut across program and agency boundaries. So one thing we did, for example, is a a joint multi-OIG project on COVID testing within various federal programs. And um, it was led by HHS OIG and PRAC staff. And um, it was a good look, a good snapshot at um, how testing was done at VA and DOD programs and HHS programs and Department of Justice. So we do pro- we do uh, sole source procurement, first time vendors getting um, COVID related contracts, looking across government. Uh, you know, a single IG can't do that kind of project. It takes the PRAC to, to gather our partners together and kind of look across these different programs. That's the kind of work that we're doing. You know, you've got, you've got lots of agency inspectors general you're collaborating with, but the oversight infrastructure associated with this is also unprecedented. You've got GAO, you've got the special IG at the Treasury Department, you've got this new special committee of the Congress that's also helping you oversee all of this. How is that coordination going? It's, I, I think it's going very well from my perspective. It's all about tone at the top. And our chair um, is uh, Justice IG Michael Horowitz. And, and he's he was acting chair for the last year and then became official in January. And that that's his whole thing is, is um, you know, being a firm and fair and independent IG, but also um, communicating broadly and widely and, and and we do that so he he is very in, much involved on a day-to-day basis in coordinating with the hill and with omb and um senior agency leadership and, and that's what he expects from us and the truth is you know at over over five trillion dollars it's like no one agency can oversee this effort right it, it takes all of us and not just government i, I believe quite frankly it takes all taxpayers have some responsibility to make sure this money's going where it should be going. Um, and we try to help them, you know, with our website, but that's the tone from Michael is that we, we make sure that we, uh, we communicate openly and, uh, and frequently with, with all those folks. What are the ultimate measures of success for the work that you're undertaking, Bob? You know, I wish I had defined, uh, metrics. Um, and I, I, I truthfully, we're not quite there yet. Um, what, um, I think Michael would say, and our deputy director, Linda Miller, and myself, and, and Paul Martin, our vice chair, um, we all have this sense of um, this can't just be a one-off for, with given the amount of money involved. We want to leave behind a legacy. And that was the one thing when we were um, studying the lessons learned from the re- recovery board. Um, we'd hear from all these different parties, and one of the things that a uh, theme that kept coming up was um, – and then when and the story would always end the same. And then when it was over, we we turned out the lights and shut the door. And there was just sadness, I guess, for this lost opportunity that some of what the the recovery operations center had built um, 
didn't survive. And so we're keenly aware of that. And so, um, frankly, one of our, our measures of success, what's driving us is to is to build something that lasts beyond this disaster, which we don't know when's going, when it's going to end, but it's certainly not going to be the last disaster our country faces. And we want to build the infrastructure, the relationships, the technology that um, doesn't go away, that's scalable, right? So we can scale it down when we need to, but still have it there that, uh, you know, like a warm site that you can, you can, you can uh, turn it back on quickly rather than, um, have to have to rebuild it. So um, ultimately, that's that's what I think our success will be is uh, if in five years or whenever we do ultimately sunset, there's something left behind that improves, um, you know, reporting of government spending and the accountability of it. Okay, so you don't have quantifiable metrics or, or definitions of success, but what's your sense of things? How's the PRAC doing? How are the agencies doing? How would you grade agencies in implementing these programs, getting this money to the people who need it most? Um, and what are some lessons that you think they ought to learn from what's happened to date? That's a tough question. And that, that's uh, one of the ultimate questions for us is, is the money going where it's intended to go? You know, when we talk about the PRAC, we talk about not only our staff work, but the collective work of the the members, the PRAC IG. So, you know, I point to SBA OIG and, and um, impacts that they've had originally, you know, PPP was a paycheck protection program, was a brand new federal program. And we all know the, the billions of dollars that went to it. And, and the agency was told to get it out quickly. And um, using sort of similar type program that they had, um, and they pushed money out as, as quick as they could. One of the things that was discovered is that, um, data on um, demographic data on race and, race and ethnicity, for example, wasn't being collected. And so we didn't know if uh, communities uh, that needed the money were, were actually getting the money. Um, and so the SBA OIG, you know, put out an alert very, very early pointing that out. And then in the, I think it was in the CARES Act and in in, after the initial PPP went out, um, they impressed upon SBA the need to um, collect that data. So there's been um, not great, but certainly more collection of that data um, on loans. Um, that's that's one area I think, you know, there's been success. With, I, I see success with Department of Labor, OIG. They've done, I mean, it's just, it's hard to wrap your head around the fact that I think it was um, r- rough figures. I think $36 billion last year was spent in unemployment insurance uh, assistance to the states and this year it's close to 800 billion dollars for the last like 14 it's it's astronomical in the last 14 years i think or 14 of the last 17 years labor reports a improper payment rate of greater than 10 percent so we're talking 80 billion dollars potentially in uh improper payments in the unemployment fraud area california California alone says they've identified over $10 billion in fraud, not just in proper payments, right? The, the fraud, fraud, fraud. Um, and they think it's as high as $26 billion. That's just, just California. Um, one state in the Midwest reported their uh, state auditor found that 66% of uh, unemployment insurance claims were fraudulent. 66% of those filed were fraudulent claims. Um, so that's the kind of problem that we're facing. So, 
Um, as a community, you know, the, it's the audit work that we've done in that space. Um, you know, labor identified that, hey, self-certification of unemployment ins- of unemployment status is probably not an effective control. They brought that to, uh, to the Hill and, and Congress uh, tightened that control and subsequent legislation. But the investigative work is, is also phenomenal. First, we just had our first birthday, by the way, March 27th. Happy um, birthday. In the first music. year, we, we had a very brief celebration and then we got back to work. And uh, what we did celebrate was that um, collectively as, as the federal law enforcement community, there's been 474 um, individuals uh, criminally charged with um, COVID-related fraud, um, mostly in the PPP idol, which is the uh, Economic Injury Disaster Loan Program from SBA and uh, unemployment insurance fraud but we've seen other cases as well um you know with um, fraud related to covid testing and vaccines and all that kind of stuff so 474 cases that have been charged in a years is uh, is pretty remarkable work bob you alluded to the fact that at some point you will wrap up I was on the Treasury Department's website not too long ago looking at the org chart. Please don't ask me why. It's terribly embarrassing. <laughs> but I noticed that SIGTARP still apparently is in existence. The Troubled Asset Relief uh, Program's uh, Special Inspector General Office is still up and running. That was 2008, 2009. Do you have a sense of how long you will be in business and, and how are you going about documenting those best practices that you said you hope you leave behind for whoever the next people are that follow in your footsteps? The only thing we can go by is what the statute says, which is 2025. But I don't think there's any person in our business that's willing to take a bet to say that we're going to shut down then. Well, um, I think most people would say that we're going to continue like SIGTARP has and, and other special IGs. Um, but we're shooting for that. So we're building our, you know, right now we're, we're spending a lot of energy and effort building our pandemic analytics center of excellence, which is for those that remember the recovery board days that the rock, um, the data analytics center that we're calling it the pace. It's got a slightly different focus, but, uh, um, you know, learning the, applying the lessons from, from the rock. Um, so we're building it with the idea of, Hey, we, we need to, we can't get on our feet in year four. We need to get on our feet now as quickly as possible and, and be fully mature and just anticipate um, if it comes to pass that we need to shut the doors, um, you know, we can do a, a, a seamless handoff. One of the things I think I would expect is some sort of retrospective look at how the government responded and and whether a reorganization is in order or what other institutional reforms need to take place so we can do this better the next time. Do you see the prac taking on that role? Have you learned things that would, would, would give you a role in, in contributing to that conversation? Or how do you see that all playing out? Yeah, we're, we're starting to see some of it. It's like, you know, the, it's like the agile principle, you know, when, you, when you've got a big problem, you got to break it into small pieces. And that's kind of what we're doing now. So our, a lot of our expertise is in the fraud space. So we are cataloging um or documenting the lessons learned there i mean one one's an obvious one that's just embarrassingly uh, intuitive right which is self-certification is not a very effective fraud control period but now we've got data to, to back that up right you have data from the unemployment insurance fraud area 
and a little bit in the in the PPP or idle space, right? You you got to verify that people are who they say they are, and they have the number of employees or other eligibility criteria um, that they say they have. So um, yeah, so so we're doing that. So we're 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 looking at it sort of from a fraud control perspective on around the government, around the IG community. Um, what work can we combine? We did that in our top pandemic challenges report that we, we've issued two of those so far. And those are a good whole of government look of some of the the lessons or key takeaways. And, and uh, you can anticipate we're going to be doing more work like that where we're summarizing what we're seeing across government. Robert, uh, Bob, I, I call you that so formally, and I'm grateful for you, Bob, taking some time to come on the program and talk about the work that you're doing, especially when they cut the power at your house. Indeed. Indeed. It's the uh, the, the challenges of work. Appreciate being on, guys. Well, we're happy and to happy have you. To- you're obviously committed yeah. to the mission and getting the message out. We thank you. Thanks for being on, Bob. Anytime. Thanks for listening to The Fed Heads, brought to you by Grant Thornton Public Sector. All of the resources talked about during the episode are available in the episode description. We'd love to hear from you. Connect with us on Twitter at GT Public Sector to join the conversation. And don't forget to leave us a comment or review on iTunes or the Google Play Store.